Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. We're shaking, Daniel. Did you catch up on the Logan Daniel episodes? No, I didn't. Why oh. didn't I? I? Probably because they're not released yet by the time we're <laughs> recording this. Well, then what kind of question was that? I just realized that as I was asking you the question, no, it was like, I we're like... on a delay, so we record them, and it's probably being released today or tomorrow or something. Uh, no, the last episode I listened to uh, on the way to work this morning was the... Addy episode, the DIY Money Junior. Oh, that was a good one. It was a great one. A little update on that for those of you out there that are just rushing to get your junior to send in a question. Psh, not. Come on. Where are those junior questions? Anyways, Stockpile is out. All right, I've had enough. You're out of here. What do you mean? We're not using that anymore, and here's why. Apparently, they implemented a annual fee. Was it a monthly fee? Monthly fee of like five bucks. To keep an account open, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's crazy. When you can have a custodial account at major brokerage firm and pay nothing, I'm not sure why you would do that. So we stopped doing that. We cut Addy a $25 Amazon gift card just like we do for everybody else. So maybe that was the hang-up. Maybe you were like, my kid doesn't want 25 I don't want to go through the hassle of opening an account at someplace else and all the rest of this nonsense. So Fair. if your junior sends in a question, we'll send them a $25 Amazon gift card. Who doesn't love an Amazon gift card? Everybody. It's a no-brainer. Everybody loves an Amazon gift card. So there you go. I mean, they have everything. They have everything. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Anyway, so yeah, if you have a junior, send it in. We'll put it up. Uh, we've got another one, maybe. I don't know. I had to reach out make sure this person was of age. I really look forward to using this question because I thought it was a good one, but I suspect it's a junior, so we need to sign off on that, according to our lawyers. Uh, better weather. I also was listening to that. It was hot, hotter, and hottest, as you were Oh, my gosh. A little bit better. How's the garage riding? This might be the last day of 70-degree uh, weather in the morning. Oh. Which would it's be It's going to get hot again? No, it's going down. Oh. He's, like oh it's been 75 or plus. It is when you're well, that's true. working out for an hour in a humid garage. Hey, new race on the docket. What? Yeah. Which Purdue. one? Purdue. Purdue, Indiana. Well, it's West Lafayette, Indiana. Purdue, October 22nd, uh, if anybody out there, this is just random, but I'm going to throw it out. If any of our DIY listeners are in West Lafayette, happen to be a runner, and you're running that race, let me know. We can maybe hang out, connect. What uh, pace do they have though, to run? But, well, I'm not saying we're going to run together because I'm going to run fast. Maybe they're faster than I am. My goal Six is, miles. I don't know if I want to say this publicly. Uh, you should. 140. Once it's out there. 140. 140. I've never broken 140. What pace is that? You can do it! It's yeah, around a 735. Quickly. That's fast. It's great. Ugh. You'll do it. Now it's out there. Uh, now I've put it out there. I have to do it. People are going to check in what? October 22nd, you said? October 22nd. So I've got time. Email in October 22nd. Find training, out. Training is gone. Well, you can just probably track me. Just go to Purdue's go. Half Marathon website. I'm sure you can you know, track the time. Oh, boy. Everyone's watching. Anyways, that's going to be a good one. I'll keep you posted on that. Any other housekeeping? I don't think so. We've got a great question from Matthew today. Uh, this one hits home for us, so we'll address it accordingly. Matthew, what do you got? DIY! Hey, DIY money. This is Matt from Chicago. My wife and I just got married. We're 32 and 29, respectively, and are planning out some of our finances for the long term. 
We have about 800K in assets with about a third in tax advantage retirement funds, a third in brokerage investments, accounts, and index funds, and a third in cash or cash equivalents for things such as grad school tuition, house down payment, and emergency funds. My wife has had a financial advisor for the last two years, and they're quoting us now a fee of over eight grand to advise based on our combined income and assets. And this doesn't include the 1% fee they charge on any investments that they manage. I know you both have talked about finding a fee-only fiduciary. However, do you have any advice on how to evaluate pricing costs as well as the benefits between financial advisors? It seems like the industry keeps their fees opaque on purpose. Thanks for any insight you might be able to provide on the other half. Love the show. Wow. Uh, I'm going to kick this immediately over to Daniel, who's done a little bit of work. I'm going to refrain from my very strong opinions here uh, because have you have you done work where you've seen someone charge an overarching like net worth fee, mm-hmm. which it sounds like a one percent on net worth, one percent on investments, and then yeah, net worth. It sounded like either a net worth fee or a flat fee for planning, but but they the were planning fee more. was really close to one percent of net worth. Yeah, right. So eight thousand dollars, which I'm guessing they just calculated as. Or maybe that's not. Are you saying that could just it be could just their be planning the flat fee? planning fee based upon if there's complexity in this plan? The, the hard part is it's hard to know what is involved in the plan. Are there, you know, in uh, sort of specific employee compensation things like stock options and things of that nature, restricted stock that are making the plan more complex, or is it a pretty straightforward plan and it's eight thousand dollars? Those those things would go into pricing a lot of times when it comes to planning. But it sounds like there's a 1% fee on whatever the firm is managing plus some type of planning fee, which it's not the way we do things. So in our eyes, that seems excessive, but it's hard to know without seeing. So you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt? No, I still think it's excessive. (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the reality is we in our firm have struggled with this a lot. Now, I'm going to work hard not to make this a commercial because I really don't want to do that. But I'm going to just pull back the cover a little bit and really have you understand how we've approached this in our firm. So for those listening, we are Jewel Financial, which is uh, obviously the firm that Daniel and I uh, are involved in. We are a fiduciary fee-only advising firm. Now, we have gone around and around and around over the years about how best to bill for our services and properly be compensated for our time when you work with a variety of individuals with a variety of complexities and net worth. It's been a very difficult uh, approach or it's been a very difficult decision to sort of try to figure that sweet spot out. We've done everything from exploring uh, net worth-based billing. We've done everything from exploring hourly billing, uh, and the reality is when it all comes down to it, what we have learned and what suits us the best for our business is simply to charge a flat fee for assets under management, include all of our services, but work hard to stick to a minimum. And so what that allowed us to do is back into, okay, how much on average do we spend for each client that we service And therefore, what is our minimum that we can take to keep a profitable relationship intact? 
we at times will vary that. For example, someone might come in, they're highly disciplined, they have a great saving and and fiscal sort of approach to their lives, they're younger, we know they're going to be exceptional clients over time, and so they might not have our minimum at this moment, but we say, look, we'll waive that minimum so that we can work with you because we know that in short order it's going to be a profitable relationship, and if we work on your behalf and you enjoy our service, you're going to be a client for a very long time. The other caveat is, and this is true with most advisors, you can fire them at any time. I mean, you can, if it's a fee for service and you're not purchasing anything and, and they're not getting a commission, you know, they've got to continue to earn that service, which I think is the right thing to do. So, Matt, I'm going to kind of just come out and say, I think you need to shop around a little bit, personally. I think you're in the right, there's an old saying, right? You're in the right church, wrong pew. My personal opinion. I think you're in the right church as far as uh, financial, uh, fiscal, fiduciary, fee-only services. I think that works very well, and I think you should stay away from commission-based advising services. However, I think that the planning plus the investment advisory fee, which ultimately would equal in your situation around 2%. Now, I know they're not managing everything because it sounds like some of it is earmarked for you know the, the future expenses and so forth. So let's just call it, I don't know, 400000 500000 that they're maybe managing. And again, maybe not. Maybe they're saying, well, no, a bulk of that's in 401ks, and so they're only managing 100000 and so it's the 1%. Uh, on that. Well, you're turning around and cutting them a check for the entirety of the net worth, which again, personally, I think that's a little bit excessive. Oh, come on. Now, again, that's a situation where we might meet with you and go, oh, you have $100,000 to manage. You have this very complex situation. And we genuinely might say, hey, you're better off to keep listening to DIY money, uh, implementing some of these things yourself and reach out to us in a few years. And sometimes we have that conversation. It's a difficult one, but it's in the best interest of the client. That's at the end of the day what we try to do. So I think you should shop things around. The The one thing I'll share with someone out there who might have a smaller net worth, smaller investable assets, because you guys are an anomaly, by the way. You've done a phenomenal job. But be careful when you when you have those and you're looking for an advisor that you sometimes will land in the shop of a insurance-based advisor or commission-based advisor who will work with you, but they're going to get a big chunk on that commissionable sale of a product. And that you want to be very careful of because uh, that could set yourself up for, for long-term uh, challenges in, in the future. I, that's really all I got. What else you got, Daniel? That's pretty good. I, I would say that um, one of the things that folks can do is utilize the SEC's website, advisorinfo.sec.gov. And I'll when, say that again. Yeah, advisor info. That's one word, even though it's two words. Advisor info dot sec, sec dot gov. Uh, go there, and you can search for an individual or a firm. So if you are shopping around, you're talking to different investment advisors or looking at different firms. Go there, uh, type in the name of their information, and what's going to come up is what's called a firm's ADV. Uh, there's a Part 1 ADV, there's Part 2, and there's a Form CRS. And all of those are basically the disclosures that tell you all of those opaque things about the firm. So if you're comparing, uh, let's say you're going out there and comparing two or three different investment advisors that, that you're talking to, and you kind of want to get a feel for 
how they structure their business, what the fees are, things like that. I would read through both of their form, uh, part two of their ADV and their CRS. Uh, if you're not willing to do at least that part of it, then you're not really probably comparing the two advisors aside from just the marketing material that they're providing you. So they have to, in that part two of the ADV, disclose their fees, how they manage money, certain risks, things like that. It's not the most riveting read, uh, but it's something worthwhile to read if you're handing over your funds. Two items I'll I'll say to close us out. One, and this is for a lot of people out there who I'm just going to say you think, oh, I can do this myself. I don't need an advisor. So maybe this part is a little bit of a commercial. An advisor out there should provide value far in excess of the fee that they're generating. Did we just become best friends? Yep. That can be in a variety of ways. One of the things that I think we as a firm have helped our clients with a lot is tax strategies. Uh, If we can help them to unlock taxable savings, we're not CPAs, but we certainly are well-versed in that area. Uh, A lot of times we can put a dollar amount on what somebody has saved by setting up a proper account, doing Roth conversion, backdoor, I mean, you name it, a variety of things. Um, That goes far, far above something like diversification, you know, rebalancing, management of funds, et cetera. I would also say the coachability of it is making sure that someone's just on the, the right path, having that second you know, voice when it comes to making a, a purchase or uh, financing versus outright cash, etc. Those are all critical. If you're out there going, well, I'm just not going to pay for that. I'm just not going to. I mean, again, I think if you're looking for uh, something, you, you should be able to find value in that. And I think the last thing I'll say is, that if somebody is out there and you're working with somebody and you're going, man, am I paying too much? Again, you can shop around. I, I just don't think that's uh, something that you should be uh, afraid to do. There's a lot of advisors out there. Shop around. Here is a shameless plug. Heck, I've gone this far. Call us. <laughs> set up a Zoom. I mean, again, just just uh, you know, seek a second opinion and and uh, weigh out all your options, and then and then you can make an informed decision. Matt, great question. I wish you and your bride the best. It sounds like you all are on the right path. So keep up the great work, um, and I think you'll you'll uh, you know you'll continue to face challenges along the way, but you'll make wise decisions. So bravo to you. All right, we'll send you that twenty five dollar Amazon gift card for that great question. Uh, Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get... $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.